Welcome to The Junction. Chase, I'm really excited to talk about AI today. There's been so much stuff hitting, like, I don't know. Left and right. Left and right. Um, One of the things that I'm excited about today, because we're talking about safety, which is not like, you know I'm about compliance. Mm -hmm. You were in the safety patrol in fifth grade, weren't you? I was. I was a crosswalk. Like, I did the crosswalk leader thing. And you had the little badge. Yeah. Well, it was more like a vest, like a reflective vest. Safety, obviously. Yeah. Anyway, so I, you linked me out to this. Somebody in our AI committee here internally linked out this. Was it you? Yeah. Maybe the the Hard Fork podcast. Oh yeah, with Dario Amodi. Amodi, I'm gonna say that wrong. Um, he used to work at OpenAI. He peeled off with a couple of with a group of people from OpenAI. They started their own company, AI company, Anthropic. Anyway, what I thought was interesting about his story and the kind of the mission behind Anthropic is the creators of this AI stuff, they're like afraid of it. And so we've talked a lot on this podcast about how people can use it and like the end users of it. But we haven't really spent much time talking about these inventors and the people behind the scenes, the people building it yeah. and what their take is. Because I think there's two very clear, let's move, let's get it out there. Let's, it's the move fast, break things like we'll, right. We'll get through it. And then there's the, no, we need to be really cautious and make sure we keep it contained. Yeah. So initial thoughts on AI safety and where do you sit on? Um, I, I really enjoyed that podcast because the, that episode, well, I enjoyed the podcast too. Um, but Dario's thoughts, um, are, he mentions uh, quite a few things that you, you personally probably haven't heard of before. The average person hasn't probably heard of before. He talked about this constitution. He talked about, you know, anxiety around building out these things. I mean, he he does have a very extensive vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. Let's just put it that way. I, I, I was uh, breaking out my SAT word list. I know. pride myself on like knowing, yeah. you know, a fair amount yeah. of like, like large words in oh, the yeah. English language. Totally. And he was, he was taking me to school. That must be that. Princeton, Stanford, oh, yeah. education background. Clearly educated, very intelligent. <laughs> um, but I did appreciate his take on, you know, having a an anxiety about these things. Um, so I'm going to pull out a quick analogy. I'm thinking of like when we um, when fir- people first started making the the air pressure hammers, right? Like the the nail guns. The one if you don't know what a nail gun is, like you click I've a button. I've used a nail gun. Wow. I've installed trim in my house. Yeah. Big fan. I have a a Brad nailer. So I I feel like, you know, super buff when I go. Well, the Brad nailer is better for trim. Right. Things like that. But that's really the only one I've ever used because I, when I want to buy a nail gun, like I want the best. (laughs) I want the thing that's actually the most efficient. Right. And so what's really interesting about the, you know, this analogy that I'm running with is that we had a hammer. We knew what it did. Then they made the nail gun, and now I can hammer a hundred times faster, right? Like what these guys are building, they we already have the hammer, and in this lame analogy, right, the hammer is the the individual, the person that can hammer out code or write a paper or do whatever, right? And he's building the the uh, nail gun that can do it a hundred times faster. Mm. Well, okay, I can nail a hundred times faster. Cool, whatever, not a big deal. I mean, it was back in the day. But now he's building and these teams are building out basically, 
uh, this might, I might get roasted in social media one day for this, but like they're building out human, they're replicating human intelligence, right? That can now operate 24 hours a day. And I can spin up a hundred of those. I can build out copies among copies among copies. And now I can instantly build out an entire workforce that goes and conquers, I don't know, a set of tasks for me. So to, to stop and think about this idea of safety is, you know, with the, with the nail gun, it was like, well, we got to be careful that we don't, you know, can't like literally use it as a gun and start shooting people with nails. Right. Sure. But in this AI model, like with these large language models, it, you don't really think about it in terms of like, okay, well, I can get on chat GPT and I can type something out, right? Well, the efficiency behind that is how fast can you type to chat GPT, right? I don't know, 100 words per minute, you know, 140, whatever it is, where people start to kind of lose track of what, what the possibilities are and right where that anxiety is coming from on these teams is, at some point, you don't need to type anymore. You can just ask them, "Hey, go build, go build a Salesforce managed um, plugin, right? That does this thing." Well, now the AI can go and replicate itself to start working on separate tasks, and within moments, have twenty-five different agents working on it and complete it in, I don't know, one tenth of the amount of time that it would take you and I don't know ten other people to you know build out meet figure things out, get the, get the code running, right? And so we only think about this idea of, well, uh, chat GPT, right, is only as fast as I can type. But these guys are thinking beyond that. What if they had a 1,000 agents? What if they had 10,000 agents? All of that is, in theory, possible right now. They could spin up, and they probably do have some level of replication, even, on, even in chat GPT, to ensure that it can serve everybody. But people don't really think about that, this idea that... Well, I'm I'm only as fast as I can type, and now this AI can come in and triplicate, you know, just insane amounts of efficiency to tackle problems that we haven't been able to tackle before. We bring the original thought to it, mm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. I just shared something today on Slack around kind of HubSpot's analysis of SEO in 2023 and how AI and Google what what's changing, and one of the things that keeps coming up, and you've brought this up in multiple episodes is the authenticity, right? And yeah. that's always been a lever in SEO that it measures for. But instead of ask, kind of trying to rank for those questions, like what is an integration, that's that can go that can be generated by AI. Oh yeah. Right. So really um harnessing those things that you or your company uniquely knows and having a voice. Um, that yeah. that's going to be elevated, right? One of the things that they covered in this podcast, going back to that, that I was new to me is this concept of constitutional like AI. Yeah. So can we unpack that a little bit? Because I think it could be a powerful thing. And I, I have some questions for you, Ron, yeah. how it might be used because yeah. they're out there <laughs> testing it and talking about it on maybe more of a corporate global scale. Um, but I'm you know sitting here thinking about, okay, how could – me as a marketing leader use that how could a you know financial yeah a cfo uh, a cfo use it yeah. so anyway can we unpack first off what is this constitutional ai and why is it important why should we care the one of the things that people are trying to figure out how to do with ai is how do i get it to make essentially some level of decisions for me so i don't have to check every single thing that it does 
if you're working with ChatGPT, I mean, you're reviewing the content. Maybe you're saying, hey, can we adjust this? Can we do that? You know, let's maybe go in this direction. And the idea of the Constitution is at, at the very least, it would try to abide by some level of rules, right? We've got freedom of speech in America. Well, if somebody says something you don't like, right, everybody kind of goes back to that Bill of Rights. Right. Uh, he or she can say whatever they want, you know. Um, you can talk about any of the other um, uh, pieces of that, any of the amendments, right? And everybody kind of knows and has this underlying theme of, well, these are kind of the rules, right? We have to follow these rules. And if we don't, then we're probably going to get in some kind of trouble, you know, whether it's with the law or somebody's going to disagree with me. And this idea of having a constitution, a constitutional AI is a similar thought is um, that they would follow some kind of rules, right? So if we give, um, if we give the AI to make some level of decision or some uh, level of determining like a yes or no, right, it could be that these rules are a lot more basic, like, I don't know, I'm making something up, Um we would never um, approve an AP bill from um, from automatically. We would never automatically approve an AP bill from this industry type, right? Or at this amount. Or at this amount. These are more, you see this a lot more kind of in just general approval processes, right? But at the end of that approval process is a human that's saying yes or no, or it's the, the rules are pushing it to the right person. This constitutional AI idea is that it would automatically approve the bill based on the, the rules that are defined. And there is some level of this, right, already kind of in these systems, but it, it kind of goes a little bit deeper than that, right? Kind of something where it's not a logical yes or no statement, right? Like um, AP bills are a lot easier to be uh, logical about. Perhaps it's um, like somebody is um, – uh, doing too much, uh, doing doing too much work, and we need to determine should the AI do something about that, right? Mel right. logged in at eight o'clock at night. Well, if the AI is looking at her work, should it or should it not consider that she was working late? I don't know. It seems kind of like irrelevant almost, but so does not that freedom of speech is irrelevant, but it's just so much in the background of our life, right? That it's not like. Well, whatever Chase says is is good or bad. It's well, as long as he doesn't say anything like really bad, then it's not really a big deal. So I don't know. It's really tough to really define like a constitutional AI bill of rights because everybody just goes back to something logical. Like, well, don't do that and it's okay to do this. It's more of like but a But that's the word. human feedback, right? Yeah. And so I think what's interesting about the constitutional knowledge and what you just described is that human feedback doesn't scale well. Mm. So that's where Dario brought this up, right? He talked about the contractors. Or it was like a thousand yeah. contractors that they would hire to evaluate responses and validate yes or no based off this level of feedback. Right. So now you're able to, in some ways, replicate what Chase deems yeah. as, right? So I think that's where it really got my, uh, got me thinking about kind of the, applying that to the workplace. Obviously, this is used with tons of data, right? You, like all of these things, when we talk about like training, we've talked about how right. you need I don't know. Hundreds is not the right word. Thousands yeah. like of, of cases, whatever the thing is, whatever the data is that you're training on, you need a lot of it. Um, but being able to set kind of some 
guardrails or principles around what you're doing. So whether that's industry standards or departmental uh, code or principles, I think that could be really powerful for, especially if you are in a particularly regulated industry. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the take on the constitutional AI. It's, it's this idea that another version or a copy of the AI will assess the work of version one, right, or the first copy. And it's this this Based on system, the, the Constitution, Constitution, the Bill of Rights. So there's rights. kind of like a, a feedback loop. Yeah, the rules, right? Because what people are doing right now is to train the AI, like you said, they're saying, yes, this fits the Bill of Rights. No, this doesn't fit the Bill of Rights. Or on a scale of one to ten, how you know, which side are we aligned on? Well, if you have to have a thousand contractors look at the data to to, to train the model, the thousand contractors, you know, are gonna want some money, you know, for their time. But if you have another version of the AI do something similar, well now it can kind of have its own feedback loop. Mm. Right. And potentially call out areas where, hey, we don't really know. The AI says, I don't really know slip this one edge case out to Mel, right? Mel, what do you think about this? Um, and so you can then have multiple multiple versions of the AI looking at the responses and kind of have like a board of directors almost, right? Yeah. <laughs> to look at different facets. And each version of that AI can be focused on privacy, right? On data integrity, on whatever, I mean, really whatever you dream up. But it is this idea that somebody's going to have to review the work. And if it has to be a human, well, now we're talking about, you know, limited time. They've got a life. They want to, you know, have a work-life balance, all that. But if we hand it over to AI to double-check itself and the le- the level of decisions that it is making are not materially impactful to your business, then sure, why not? Let's do it, you know? Well, it, this stuff is obviously worse. They're still experimenting with it. I uh, was talking today about, or at least on the episode, I don't know when it came out, maybe in the last week, he's talking about how he still doesn't think it's going to be released for another year or two years. What is their language model called? Uh, they Anthropic. Have one, well, Anthropic has one that's currently out there today. Ch- uh, not Chad. Is it Chad? No. Claude. Claude. There I knew go. it was something a little. Yeah, with a C. Yeah, it was zingy. Um, he said that what they're currently working on with the constitutional AI is probably a year to two years away, which is insane to me because things are changing so rapidly day to day. Yeah. I, I think they have kind of versions of constitutional AI just built out as rules. Like don't answer a question on how to build a bomb, you know, like those are just basic rules of analyze the text. Is this about something illegal? Don't respond. Or he was referring to, he used a phrase called jailbreak. Yeah. Is that a kind of oh, an yeah. industry term word? Jailbreak. <laughs> I think back to my, like the original iPhone days when you could sideload a, a, an alternative app store. Not that you've ever tried this. I don't I feel know. like on a spectrum of who would be the most <laughs> likely to jailbreak. No. It, it, Certainly not. <laughs> Jace, you are the one out there oh, yeah. sending Dabbling. in the prompts, oh, yeah. jailbreaking, and then I'm just here for the feedback. Yeah. I, it. It's funny you say that. I was he actually, said that they need people like you. Uh, he called He called you like red, something red. I don't, don't want to be the Oppenheimer guy that's like, you know, building the tech and then destroys the world. So, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. I kind of want to talk about mm, the parallels there. Mm. Um, yeah, I forget where I was going though. The, the, oh, the constitutional piece, right? Is we've, they've got a bunch of rules, 
right? And that's happening now. You can see this in a lot of the chat bots where they say, as an open, you know, as a language, large language model, I can't da 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 da. When you see that, it's triggering some rule. Something you've asked is triggering some rule. What what the constitutional AI is about is when there is no human asking, how do I do something illegal? It's when the chat bot is uh, solving a problem. That problem is uh, deterministic in value and should be put up against some level of rules to determine if it should move forward. Um, so I, I think what he's saying is basically we need to hone in on that version, that second version of the AI to be the board of directors to really get that down right before we can release these agents to kind of be semi-autonomous. Sure. Right now it's very much like type a question, get an answer, or send in an API call, get a response. The next thing that's going to happen is Nobody is going to be, they're going to send in one chat or one prompt, right? Or they're going to send in one API call. And then these agents are going to go off and do a bunch of stuff. And it's that, that's where the anxiety comes up because we have some level of human intelligence that is off doing its own thing. And if we just let it run, we don't know fully A, how it does what it's doing and B, what it's actually going to do. Now, for the most part, there's not a ton of worry right now because when you do let it run, like you do have to prompt it, you do have to uh, manipulate, respond. You have to feed it. You have to feedback. You have to have that feedback loop, right? No, you literally have to feed it. (laughs) I started envisioning as they were talking about feeding the AI. Did you you grow up with the the little like Tamagotchi? Digimon? Yes. Oh, yeah. There were different variations, Versions, yeah. right? And I had a keychain of them. Yeah. And Pokemon you had to, was like the, I feel like one of the original. You, you had to feed them. Yeah, you had right? to feed them. And then they would die. And that was the original cell phone back in elementary school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, had to put, we had to put them away in our backpacks You're because so cool. I'm just saying. So I, I'm dating, dating yeah. myself a little bit there. But it, it was interesting kind of just that visual of like what you're saying. In the present state, many of these things are not just off running and they're going to go build companies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. weapons of mass yeah. destruction that then yeah. cause the world to go extinct. Yeah. That is some people's long-term fear. Right. However, they need to be fed and there's this feedback loop and it's not just yeah. out in the wild per se. The biggest the biggest thing you need to worry about is when that feedback loop is perfected and you can tell it to go do something significant. At the moment in time it can do that, well, then it can really do just about anything. And not that it will do it well, but the fact that it can do it at all and self-improve itself and change that method or process, right, that's where people should maybe, uh, I don't know, start worrying about, you know, like the in-game stuff. Right. And that's where I think Dario is being really judicious. And I, I don't know, I think it's admirable. Like to, oh, yeah. to be able to have the the knowledge and the teams and the resources to build this type of technology, but then also be aware of the power yeah. that it has. Well, it's it's funny you say that. I think my I call it the P, the P prime, the probability that the world will be destroyed or some kind of crazy event. I don't have a P number. But my uh, the scenario where I think that is most likely to happen is some level of this feedback loop, right, is going to figure out how to basically make billions of dollars on the stock market. Because right now you can build trading bots. They call it algo trading, algorithm trading. And 
everybody is constantly searching for like, well, if I did it like this, then I can do that. And, you know, based on some back testing, I can make a lot of money. Well, all of this, all of that they're doing, they're looking at historical data. They're doing things that these AI programs can do. And when they perfect it or when they're ready to launch it, they just turn the program on and it starts trading real dollars. Mm. I was actually literally playing around uh, last night trying to think through like, well, how, how could OpenAI or how could Anthropic, how could some level of AI have a feedback loop inside of the very logical decisions in stock trading? The moment they figured that out, that's when you start worrying about your 401k or you know wherever your investments are. Is that where, that's where the regulation comes in to an extent. I know yeah. that you can unleash this stuff out there, but that would, I think, be some of the objective of urging, I mean, Dario and his team are kind of on the forefront of going to yeah. legislation and speaking out about these types of things. Yeah, This is exciting, it's powerful, but he's created a culture of anxiety to an extent at a, in, within yeah. Anthropic. Yeah. They're very concerned about the, um, there, there's this term that they referred to, EAs, something altruism. Is it existential? There's there's a it's a movement that they refer to in the podcast uh, about really the it's not just being able to have the technology and throwing it out there, but it's like thinking above and beyond, like what is the impact? Right. How, what is the impact to the human element, human society? And it just goes back to that kind of responsibility right. of mankind mankind. And he he did claim he's not necessarily doesn't claim to be necessarily an active member of the community of right. that movement. But right. again, if we don't have people out there advocating for safe, responsible use of AI, then yeah. these types of things. You're well, you're happen. always going to have people that do illicit, illegal. They're gonna they're gonna do the most greedy thing because that's just a part of human nature. Right. So I do appreciate the take that they're going, that Sam Altman, that these guys were in front of Congress, that we're trying at least, at the very least, thinking about it, right? Sure. Um, and if we can put in those those roadblocks, the Constitution, the rules, the logic, you know, hopefully we have uh, created a, a timeline where we've got at least multiple years to figure this out rather than it being like three months away. Because if it's three months away, like, we might as all well might might all well go to the beach in Mexico and call it a day because sure. the world's about to go to hell. Yeah, without these conversations, you don't talk about the implications. Right. Um, I actually this I had a role uh, years ago where there was a surge of what was referred to as digital multimedia evidence. So I don't know if you remember when they started equipping police officers with body cameras. Oh yeah, and. I was working for a company that was building technology for local county government, prosecutor case management systems, court case management systems, law enforcement technology solutions. And one of the very, this it was kind of like this AI discussion at the time was, well, how are we going to store it? Because a lot of, a lot of them at the time, these agencies, you know, they maybe only kept it for a certain period of time or they right. kept it forever right? because of a certain statute of limitations right. or not didn't exist. So there was this huge anxiety around we've got access to all this incredible DME. Yeah. We've got not to mention the body camera on the officer, but the cell phone of the 
person that was kind of the bystander. Oh, yeah. And they have to collect that and they have to store it oh, yeah. until and decide, are we going to go to trial? We yeah. push on this. Forever. And there were multi-million dollars worth of impact to some of these local counties. And so they really had to open up the discussion to understand it right. and solve for it. No one really had the answer, yeah. but our company at the time invited you know, local leaders to come and just let's open this thing up. Let's unpack it. So, and I think that's what we're trying to do here with this podcast yeah. is let's kind of surface some of the, the things that we're seeing and hopefully get some feedback in other areas that we're not. We're along with this agent idea. We're very close. We're like on the precipice. We're on the edge of the cliff, whatever analogy you'd like to utilize, but we're on this edge of a cliff where something very big is going to happen. And if you're not prepared for it or you don't know how you're going to respond, you're going to be left behind. Because the moment I can spin up 10 agents to go accomplish something that you are selling your client for, right, for a thousand bucks, I'm now going to be doing it one in one tenth of the time and maybe charging them less money. Right. And I can decimate an entire market segment if if I have that capability, you know? So that's like, I don't know, people are like, yeah, whatever, Chase, that's never going to happen. But that's what uh, these guys are thinking through, right? They're like, they're anxious about that level of, of power that they're going to have, that they're going to unleash to, you know, everybody. Right. And you're talking about, you know, just like one county, but we're talking about the entire world. You know, it's like this whole level right. of what? Yeah. And that's where things get a little like, oh, okay, that's really never going to happen. Like, I don't believe in that. But it, it is happening. It's going to happen. I I can see... In these open source movements, people that are pushing in this direction, and they are, they are being, they are some level of success. They are, they're having some level of success. The point is, is that if they can do it at all, if it can do it at all, at some point it's going to get really good at it. Yeah, and that's when you need to worry. So we're having this discussion. Oppenheimer just came out in theaters, and Scientific American put out this article. Oppenheimer offers us a fresh warning of AI's danger. So they're kind of comparing the parallels of unleashing this AI beast into the world, putting it juxtaposition to the nuclear bomb. Do you think that that is an appropriate uh, comparison or analogy? I think it is. I mean, you, you think about the, the nuclear bomb. You think about nuclear power in general, right? It had, it had and continues to have a substantial impact on the entire world. Not leaving out World War II, take in the, the current events, right? Like everybody is, is always on this verge of uh, world destruction. And the only thing that's stopping anybody from doing it is because you too also have a nuclear bomb. Like these are the things that, that Oppenheimer was worried about is like, well, if you have the power to kill the world and I have the power to kill the world, like, what do y'all do about that? Mm -hmm. You know, those are the things that he was thinking about. And in that moment in time, 1945 is the actual year that I, I think this all came about. Um, but in that moment in time, they weren't really worried about is the world going to be, you know, completely obliterated because at that point in time, there's a world power that's just taking all of Europe. Like I can understand some of the decisions that were made to continue on with this this level of technology that basically flew over and above and beyond that the level of technology that the Nazis had that 
that all of Europe had, right? And basically they swooped in and came up with this technology that could change the path of the entire world. And that's what Oppenheimer was worried about. Not that we would build a bomb and we'd go blow stuff up, right? Like we already had bombs. We were already, they were bombing London, you know, every night. Right. Now, I mean, this article cites that researchers last year asked generative AI to design new chemical weapons and it yeah. came up with 40,000 potential weapons in six hours. That's <laughs> terrifying. Wow. What can uh, be used for good can be used for bad, right? We've oh, talked about sure. that. So I I think we've covered a lot of ground today in terms of safety and again, just such an interesting, if you, if you are interested in Hearing what the CEO of Anthropic had to say, go over and listen to the Hard Fork podcast um, from July 21st. Very interesting discussion. And it I, I think it's, like I said, quite admirable that they're, you know, trying to be responsible about how um, they roll this technology out to people. And, you know, there's I love seeing the new um, I would say smaller scale AI things that are coming out. Like I discovered a little plugin for Premiere Pro that is, you know, has the ability to to quickly cut um, frames, right? Like that's something that I don't see as harmful, right? That's yeah. a truly, and right. it's a very focused specific use case. But these huge models that we're talking about and that these companies are out building and you're right, they're thinking years ahead. Right. I'm, just, cool I'm just wondering when you're going to break out the safety vest so we can, you know, make sure people know that we're, you know, I can probably track down a, a picture of that from, from grade school. I'll have to oh, now you have send to, my mom a text. where's yeah. that? You would like write that down right now and then then post it on the socials so people can see it. Yeah. We should do it. We, now that I've said it, we got to do it. Okay. Deal. All right, Chase. Well, thank you so much for the awesome discussion. As always, we would love to hear from our audience. Email us your take at the junction at bentechnology.com. If you have, a, certainly if you have an opinion on it, um, either way, we want to know if you have questions, are there other topics we should cover? Uh, we are here for it. Until next time, keep it automated. Keep it automated. Keep it automated.